is up North Shore High School. I was going to say right at the beginning, I forgot the name of the high school. But yes, it's not East Hyde because we're not here to talk about High School Musical. We're here to talk about Mean Girls. Everyone's favorite 2004 teen critique comedy. (laughs) And who are we who are so qualified to talk about this? I am Condra. And I'm Tyler. And we're the amateur nerds. Here to talk about Mean Girls in one episode. Mean Girls minutes already happened. You can go dive deep into a movies by minute all about Mean Girls. We're just here to talk about it in the high schooly light it has in relation to High School Musical. There actually is a High School Musical connection, which I'll mention in a little. Okay. Yeah, so... This is just a movie. So in the in the course of talking about two whole High School Musical movies in a minute-by-minute format, this movie has come up regularly a as lot. one of the blueprints of High School movies for our generation as like, uh, you know, yeah. Well, like, yeah, people who are not like 90s, like people who were born in the 90s, but not like experiencing the 90s really. Yeah. Like the later people. Yeah, Yeah. we're the Xennials. So we're that weird in between of millennial and Gen Zs that are like, we're more. Yeah, you're a little you're a little closer to the border and I'm a little closer to Gen Z. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Yeah, it's all fuzzy and it's intentionally fuzzy. Yes. But Mean Girls is a pivotal film Uh, came out in 2004, Mm -hmm. directed by Mark Waters and more notably written by Tina Fey, SNL alum. And is based on the nonfiction book Queen Bees and Wannabes. Queen Bees and Wannabes, the Rosalind Wiseman self-help book. So analyzing yeah. <laughs> teen teenage girls and cliques and high school high school life, social bullying, that all that good stuff. Sort of sort of a pop psychology book, maybe yeah. even. Yeah. So Tina Fey was like, yo. Let's talk about teenage high school girl cliques. Yeah. And specifically, this movie is about girls. It is. And the power they wield and the damage that can be done. (laughs) I have very distinct memories of watching this movie at various points in my young life. (laughs) Um, I watched this movie in 2004 when it came out, and I was definitely not old enough to watch it. But I had an aunt that like, was nine years older than me, so she was watching I it. I feel like I'm also in the same boat, though, because I feel like, just to be clear, I don't think I've seen this movie since I was maybe six or seven years old when it came out. Like, Yeah, that might be the case. <laughs> so, I have watched it many times since then. Um, I actually watched it If you were too young <laughs> and you were 10 when it came out. Oh, yeah, you'd have like, been. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Which is weird, though, and this is something we can talk about because it's not, like, so grown-up a movie that it's, like... Like, it definitely is a movie for It's raunchier. Yeah, it's raunchier, and they're they're constantly calling each other sluts and bitches throughout the whole movie. We might have to throw an explicit tag on this specific episode. (laughs) But it's not, like... There's a scene where Lindsay Lohan gets drunk, and they, like, very neatly kind of skirt around the fact that she's getting drunk, like... If you were a kid and you didn't really understand how that worked, you might even miss it. And the same thing with like Amy Poehler giving out condoms 
yeah there's like that kind of stuff there's the i mean i mean and then there's the stuff that you're like you you, regardless of your age you know it's wrong like the teacher having the relationship with the student that like i knew that was bad when i watched it and it plays it in a bad light and i feel like when you're a kid watching the movie there's nothing like so overtly problematic like there are problematic things in the movie but like the the movie's not outwardly it's not like bring it on. Yeah, it's it's not like it's really got outwardly homophobic or racist things. There are undertones of these things set up because it's 2004 and like it's not I, it's not woke from a 2022 level, but there I are put a pin in that homophobia. <laughs> um yeah, we'll circle back to it. <laughs> um so just just to be clear, we're not really going to do a plot summary of this movie. We're just going to kind of talk about it. If you've seen High School Musical, you've seen Mean Girls. I'm sorry. I'm assuming it. But just just as like a real brief plot summary, just so the show feels like it has a format. Do you want to give a quick summary? Why don't you? You just watched it. Do you want to try and I'll fill in anything that I think maybe is missing? Okay. Yeah, perfect. So just because most movie review podcasts have sort of like an A to B to C idea, summary is usually the first one. So Lindsay Lohan plays Katie. I forget their last name. Uh, irrelevant. <laughs> Katie Irrelevant. Karen. <laughs> um, and she and her mom and dad have just moved back to the United States from Africa. They moved to Evans- Evanston, Evanston, Illinois. Evanston, Illinois, which is the suburb of Illinois, just above Chicago, where Northwestern is. Yeah. So she's moved there and she's never gone to a quote unquote real school before an American public high school. So she's joining high school as a junior and throwing herself into the very complicated social situation they're in. She, as a homeschooled student, doesn't really dress like everybody else, doesn't really act like everybody else on her first day of school. She has to eat her lunch in a bathroom stall. Blah, 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 blah. She meets... A couple outcasts, Janice and Damien, who are the kind of queer coded and explicitly queer, like I said, outcasts who don't really fit into this, like the high social scene, but they're very welcoming and warm to Katie as a new person. But Katie gets also gets sucked into this other social group known as the Plastics, who are the rich, mean girls who mm-hmm. are sort of the top popular kids. They're your Heathers, they're your, well, Pink Ladies is a bad example, but your Pink Ladies almost, they're your Queen Bees. And Katie tries to kind of live a double life of being true to her real friends while also kind of getting sucked into these sort of fake friends and becoming a mean girl herself. They try to tear down this girl, Regina George, who's played by Rachel McAdams, but in doing so, she becomes... The very thing which she swore to destroy. (laughs) And it all plays out. There's this thing with the burn book and girls writing mean things about other girls in the burn book that gets, you know, publicized and spreads out. And the teenage girls at this school need to learn how to not tear each other down, but lift each other up. A lot of this is promoted by Tina Fey as Miss, Mrs. Miss Norbury. Mm hmm. And Tim Meadows plays the principal and Amy Poehler plays Regina George's mom. And the the other two uh, plastics that we haven't mentioned are Karen and Gretchen. And 
it all culminates in, uh, of course, a dance where prom Lind- specifically. Yeah, Katie gets, you know, prom queen, but instead of, you know, taking the crown for herself, she breaks up the crown and hands it out to everybody, and everybody learns their lesson, and they all agree to be like women supporting women. <laughs> By the yeah. end of the movie. There's also a love plot where Katie's interested uh. in Regina's former boyfriend and Regina gets back at Katie for not being quite what she needs. Wild how that didn't come up in my plot summary. I know. And Aaron so... is, but Aaron has some of the more iconic line moments in his scenes. There, Yeah, there are Aaron lines that are iconic, but as a character, he is He's, not fleshed out. No. Because it's not about him. Yes, exactly. It's it's interesting because I also recently watched the Christmas-ish romantic comedy, The Holiday, which is stars Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz. And then they're like these male side characters played by Jack Black and Jude Law. And it's like, you can tell what a movie is actually about women and written by women mm-hmm. because... <laughs> You you feel the fact that the women are fully fleshed out characters and the men are the ones that are a little bit of an afterthought. Yeah, it it's the it's the reverse of ninety percent of other films. Yeah, and it does. And it just to be clear, it's not like I'm not saying this because it like hurts my feelings as a man. It's just like, oh yes, it's very it's very easy to notice when everything ever has been geared towards me, and then these are the things that are like, oh yeah, okay, I'm glad that this exists. Yeah, and Katie is secretly super smart, but uh, hides her intelligence. To... Oh, yeah. She's great at math. She's real good at math. Yeah, because that's that's the same in every country, Kendra. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the the one other thing that I wanted to say real quick is that Mark Waters, the director, had previously worked with Lindsay Lohan on Freaky Friday which is more explicitly a kids movie. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a step. I would say it's Freaky Friday, then Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, then Mean Girls. If you want to go like aging up with Lindsay yeah. Lohan. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of other like weird little things happening around, especially regarding the Burn book. Secrets getting revealed. There's also a very famous talent show, which we'll get. To. You want to just talk about the memorable stuff from the, like what has stuck in pop culture from this movie? Because like, yeah. heck, there's a Mean Girls Day online, like social media Mean Girls Day. There's stuff printed on T-shirts at like Forever Twenty One and Urban Outfitters and A and E and or H and M, A and E, not A and E. So like, this has become a pop culture icon. It has yeah. made the tops of list as like iconic cat like iconic performances of the sh- or like of the two thousands, top teen comedies, top comedies of the two thousands. This movie like shook Hollywood in a way that like other teen movies historically have not. And in part it is because there's SNL backing it. You've got Tina Fey, you've got Tim Robbins, you've got Amy Poehler, you've got Tim Katie's mom. What? Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Tim Meadows, uh, the mom who is Anna Gasteyer. Yeah, Anna Gasteyer. Um, Lord Michaels was approached originally when this was getting when Tina was going around. He's a producer. It. He's, He's a, producer. a producer. So like this movie has has like your comedy. And and Tina Fey writing in her in itself like it's created a Broadway musical, it's got a 
direct-to-TV sequel, Mean Girls 2. <laughs> it's got a of few Of which books. the only returning character is Tim Meadows, I want. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> so this, I mean, beyond the the critical success, there are memorable lines. There's memorable scenes. You see people doing the talent show dance. So you want to just go into... So so what stuck as you as an outsider watching the movie again as like, oh, I've heard this in pop culture before. And yeah. Yeah. So a couple things. First off, I want to say a movie as iconic as this. Yes. Becomes iconic because it is good. We do have a little bit of the problem of like the Internet and the like over memification of things where you like forget that like there's actually a heart and soul behind some of these things that are like mm-hmm. that only exist as memes in some people's head. Like I would imagine there's a certain amount of people on TikTok who have seen like 40% of this movie, but only in the TikToks that show two minute clips of a movie. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because a- as a medium, like film doesn't like it, it deserves to be watched in full. And so it is interesting to watch this full movie because it is really good and it is actually better than the idea of like, oh, a, a movie that has a lot of memes on the internet, like like Shrek or something. Like, hey. yes. Like, Shrek yes, everybody on the internet thinks it's funny. But no, Mean Girls like is actually is actually doing something that most movies would aspire to. And it's only it's only really recently that you're getting these sort of specific genre movies that are written by SNL writers or comedy writers from in the internet that are actually that are actually breaking through to like critical appeal and impressing mass audiences cuz usually your SNL movie other than like your Wayne's Worlds and Blues Brothers usually an SNL movie is like kind of a B-tier comedy like you Cone people heads. might come out to yeah, people might come out to the theaters, but it's not really impressing anyone. What's nice about this one is they used their talent, but they did it. They weren't relying on a brand. Mm-hmm. They were doing something genuine. So, yes, to answer your question, I want to say the one thing that I remembered from this movie overall, the one thing that was not a meme that I've seen on the Internet or a, a quote that I've I've read somewhere, the one thing that I remembered from watching this movie is Damien driving away, screaming, I want my pink shirt back. For some reason, <laughs> that's the only thing in the whole movie that stuck stuck with me from when I was six years old. That's amazing. What's also interesting is because I remembered, I remembered the scene, because I was interested when I was watching this, was like, I remembered when she was wearing his pink shirt, it being like mm-hmm. a huge billowy pink shirt. Mm-hmm. And then watching it this time, I was like, oh, it's like, it's kind of big on her, but it's not like so big that it looks hideous. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so that that was my re- yeah so there's the it's october 3rd meme yeah which is a very like simple comedy premise to be a meme yep like that which is what i find funny about that stop trying to make fetch happen yes yeah, stop trying to make fetch happen is another huge one why are you so obsessed with me that one's a big one that one's actually been used in like political accounts have responded to other political accounts with that gif before 
Yeah. Um. The 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 one like Regina getting hit by a bus. That's mm-hmm. that's an idea. It's actually interesting because usually getting hit by a bus is like a tag that you throw at the very very end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of thought that that's what it was. Like, oh, and at the end of the day, the bad the bad girl got hit by a bus. But that's not even what the 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 joke of the movie is. She no. gets a redemption arc, which is yeah. great. <laughs> I love that. That, um, that is uh, one you will nice all thing. get pregnant and die. <laughs> we genuinely used to quote that in health class. Like <laughs> that was part of like the shtick of health class in high school was like, okay, you all get pregnant and die. And and then another joke that I feel like I remembered from when I was a kid, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you is uh, like Regina George saying, shut up. And then Lindsay mm. Lohan being like, but I didn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> There's um the the phone call sequence like with all the getting the four-way call and the particularly the I'm sick. Boo you whore. Um <laughs> that one's a really yeah. good one. Um and that was like a thing that people used to resp- like boo you whore used to be a phrase in none for Gretchen Wieners. That was a big one. Okay. Uh, the, candy the, the, cane. Other, the, the other the other big one I'm remembering is just the limit does not exist. Yes, absolutely. That punchline was well, not even a punchline. It's, it's just a, it's a genuine answer. Um, and then there's Amy Poehler saying like I'm not like a regular mom. No, I'm a cool I'm a mom. Cool mom. Yeah. And then the you go Glen Coco for some reason. Yeah, what, what is that? I. What is that? I don't even remember where that popped up in the movie, but yeah, that's a weird one. What is it? That one is during the like reflection, requ- like mandatory. When they're all sitting in the gym. Yeah, the gym thing. I'm like ninety percent sure. Um, like I said, I did not rewatch it because I've seen it so many times. Actually, the line about the when the principal asks them to open up and immediately the girl starts talking about her heavy flow. Oh, yeah. And Tim Meadows goes like, you know what? You know what? This isn't my I, thing. I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, hold on. I'm going to. Um, real quick, I'll just oh, say about Tim oh, Meadows. I'm, sorry. Oh, I'm, never mind. I, you go. I, you go Cl- so you go. Glenn Coco was also from the candy cane um, when Damien's passing them out and Glenn Coco gets like three or four and he's like, you go, Glenn Coco. That's what it is. Okay. And that's one of those like very like little teeny tiny little lines that you're like, oh, this feels, this is what makes it feel like a high school is like yeah. people say these little snippy things. It's like in turning red when like, they're just like, there's just like two of them talking at a, at a middle school table. And then one of them says like, I'm, f- I'm feeling weird. And then the other girl says, your face is weird. Like, yeah. like these little things that like, oh yeah, like these are how teens actually act. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Um, sorry, you were going to say something about Tim Meadows, and then I thought of another line. Yeah, um, Tim Meadows is always a worthwhile conver- topic of conversation for me. I think he's one of the naturally funniest people to ever exist. Yes. Uh, it's weird because he's never, he, like, he's not, uh, he's an SNL alum, but he never really got, like, the Will Ferrell or the Mike Myers or... Tina Fey. Like, Tina Fey, like, stardom, leading roles, like... Like you never have a movie that's built around Tim Meadows, like yeah, like the, and the, and then in the trailer it's Tim Meadows is like mm-hmm. that's never the thing, but he's always showing up as side characters in these SNL alum movies, usually in your Adam Sandler type things, but mm-hmm. also he pops up even in movies like Trainwreck or mm-hmm. um, I'm forgetting who that director is off the top of my head, but 
but like movies like that where it's just like general com- comedy people making a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in um, Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping, mm-hmm. which is like he's hilarious. He's he sees so every he steals every scene in that movie. Yeah, because people know like if you need that, like if you need someone to just come in and seal the deal, Tim Meadows is your guy. And what's interesting about this movie is he's not even outright hilarious in this movie, mm-hmm. which is almost showing better act acting on his part. Like he's playing the high school principal who's like says things that are a little awkward and like, you know, is able like yells at the girls and then realizes he's out of his league. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's playing the part well. And so again, what I'll say about this movie is it's not playing broad comedy. Like, well it is broad comedy, but it's not playing like Let's let the funny people be funny. It's sticking to the script a lot. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe there were improvised parts throughout. It's, it's hard to tell with this sort of movie, like what the lines they came up with yeah. on set were. But it's not like, let's, it's not just saying let the funny people be funny. It's like, it's it's playing by the book. And so Tim Meadows doesn't steal the show, but he still plays an iconic character. And for being the only major actor of color in the movie, mm-hmm. um, Mm-hmm. I was talking about this recently with a friend, just like the idea that like we're in a Chicago suburb and this movie is exclusively about white people. Well, there are the in we can talk about the social cliques in a little bit because that's kind of. Yes, why I we're actually have all right of them now. written down. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of why we're here is the, the, that social click breakdown. But um, I but have, anyway, yes, I wanted to have a three minute monologue about Tim Meadows because absolutely. he's the best. <laughs> Absolutely. So I have to move away from my mic for the next one. So listen to my rolling chair and then. She doesn't even go here. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, which is, yeah, it was another one was like completely out of context. Like you wouldn't know that it was from this movie, but it is, an, is, it is a line that is per- permeated throughout everything. Absolutely. And then the other couple is um the sentiment about Halloween and um Halloween is the one day that girls can dress as sluts and no one can say anything to them. Yeah. That one. And then there was one more that it's going to come back to me cuz there's just too many dang lines in this movie that have po- like just become these pop culture things. But she doesn't even oh and maybe we can talk about like the the is there something that Kevin says, the math guy? Oh God, yeah, he definitely has one too. Doing my thing, and it's don't say thing. <laughs> but no, it's like it's gonna come to me eventually. I'll I'll come back we, to it. But we can move on from the memes, I yeah, guess, and talk yeah. about like what the movie is about. Yeah, so it's about how challenging and ridiculous it is to be a teenage girl yeah the societal (laughs) expectations the like the forced it's like there's layers of this so there's how your brain is all muddy and like you're so on edge because your brain is like hormone infested and like awful and then there's you're worried about how everyone else sees you and then there's a oh I need to be this certain way because I'm I fit into X category, but these X categories are made up by someone else. And then there's 
and this is all like a commentary of like, isn't this all ridiculous, but it's all so real. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of the things about this movie is like, other than like the entire school breaking out into a a, a wild fight. Yeah. Which I, I will say, um, one of the jokes in this movie is that every once in a while, Katie like sees teenagers as being more like the animals in the African wilderness than mm-hmm. real life teens. And there's these kind of like, interesting shots where you're like the teens at the mall are like picking each other's hair and they're like at the watering hole. And it's like, okay, this is sort of like an interesting gag, but the idea that it, they're like these fake visions that she's having, mm-hmm. the idea that that joke pays off mm-hmm. and like, Oh, when they're, when the whole school's fighting and it's like, Oh, like the jungle is come to life. Like that's a, such a great like plant and payoff, like for a, a comedy like this to have, there are like other like mini cutaway jokes that happened throughout the movie. And those are funny and interstitial in an ineffective ways. But the idea that like they pay off really well, that like, that's what you live for. Like as a person watching a movie that's well written. Yeah. Sorry. I just thought of it. What? I just thought of the, it, they, they kind of go together cause they're from the same scene, but the, you can't sit with us. And if you're from Africa, why are you white? <laughs> you can't ask someone why they're white. Yeah. Yeah. Karen, you can't ask someone why they're white. And and um, my dad, founder of the toaster strudel. toaster strudel. Yeah, yeah, that was. And then the, Karen, that, Karen, Karen's lines about her boobs being able to tell the weather. The weather. <laughs> well, they can tell if it's raining. Chance it's already raining. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Seyfried is such a surprise in this movie because, like, your other Amanda Seyfrieds are like. Mama Mia. Mia, Les Mis. She's also she's also TV. She was on Veronica Mars and, and that, another like show in the mid two thousands. Like she has like regular old roles that she's been in. She she was one of the ones in Jennifer's Body, right? Was she? Is that? I think she, so. Is it that old? Jennifer's Body is like two thousand seven. I, I think of Jennifer's Body as like ninety nine. She is in Jennifer's Body. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't she's like that. the main, yeah. Letters to Julian, but, yeah. Yeah, but but it's a totally different type of role. Like the quote unquote ditzy girl, mm-hmm. like who's at the very least, like in this movie, she's portrayed as sweet. And like the mm-hmm. fact that she is a mean girl is almost completely out of her knowledge. Yeah, yeah, she has no idea. But yeah, she's definitely the one that they take the most pot shots at. And honestly, it, it kind of bums me out that even at the end of the day, like when everyone gets their little redemption and they get their nice spot in the world, hers is still played off like a joke. Like, Oh, she's still dumb. Well, she's still dumb, but she's doing something like that was when she had that connecting moment with Katie. And she's like, I'm psychic. I, my boobs can see when like, yeah, she has ESPN. So it was something that she was genuinely interested in. In, as and far no one as ever her... asks for her opinion. Or yeah. Anything. So. All right. So, <laughs> so back to what is... this movie is about. Yeah. What I was going to say is in terms of the like social cliques, it's about like finding out who you are and who you want to be mm-hmm. and understanding that you are not going to have a, a a perfect batting average for being the person that you want to be. Yeah. It's going to take some failure. The line that comes to mind um, is, well, just for a comparison, um, I think a lot of the line from Juno where 
you know, Juno tells her parents that she's pregnant and that's like the only thing that could have possibly surprised them in that moment. Yeah. And um, J.K. Simmons says, I thought you were the kind of girl who knew when to say when. And Juno, instead of like in one of the only moments in the whole movie that she doesn't have a snarky comeback, she just says, I'm not really sure what kind of girl I am. It's like, oh, my God, how how perfectly potent. Oh, but mm-hmm. we're not talking about Juno, Tyler, as much but as we, we would don't talk, talk about, about Juno. Juno. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, maybe someday. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's a it's a good point of comparison. Um, but but that same idea of like Katie like goes into school with the most honest intentions. She wants to be a nice person. She wants to fit in, and things don't go perfectly for her. And she finds herself being the mean girl that she was trying to make fun of and trying to subvert. Like she becomes it, and realizing that like you can like you can forgive yourself for the bad things that you've done mm-hmm. and come out on the other side. And like, like all of the, all of the girls and young women in the class are st- more strongly brought together by the fact that they accept that they've done crappy things to each other and they can just be better for each other in the future. Like it's like when you get into a fight with someone and you're like, honestly, I'm like, not that you're glad that you had the fight, but you're like, after a fight, you feel closer sometimes because mm-hmm. it shows that you can get through rough times. Yeah. And I think also it reveals kind of her mom puts it very well when she's very mad at Katie for the um after the party that Katie holds at her home. Yeah. She's like, I don't even recognize my daughter anymore. Like when <laughs> and Katie's like, like Katie basically has the same reaction, but she doesn't want to admit it to her mom. And this. It's, and that's okay. And that's something and okay. that it, parents it, it, have to deal with too. Yeah. And it was, and, and teachers and like role models. It's so interesting to see all these different perspectives and they're all like not villainized. Like no one's a bad guy in this. Miss Norbury, who has every right to be so mad at Katie. Yeah. It, like it's like, yeah, you're a dumb teenager. We're going to work through this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, no one, no one gets played off as a bad guy. And Regina gets really a redemption arc, like yeah, or not a redemption arc per se, but like people forgive her, and then she finds a place to fit in the world that mm-hmm. means something to her. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I wanted to talk about for sure was the um, Regina's family. So she's got her mom played by Amy Poehler. And then you also get these snippets of her younger younger sister sister, who's just like lives in front of the TV and does whatever the TV is telling her to do, whether it be dancing to the song by milkshake brings all the boys to the yard or like Mm -hmm. watching spring break flashing clips and like stuff like that. And the Amy Poehler character, who's like the mom who doesn't want to be a mom. She wants to be a cool teen. Mm -hmm. Like that, that being like such a perfect like example of like, oh, it's not Regina's fault that she's like this. <laughs> no. Like she's also just being influenced by her surroundings and by the information that she's getting fed by her parents and her teachers. Like she doesn't have the support system that she needs either. Yeah. It's like everyone's having a heart. Janice dealing with 
Oh Wait. yeah, we, we need to talk about Janice and Damien. That's a whole separate conversation. <laughs> okay, so do you want Gretchen? We'll table being, that. Yeah, we'll table that. I I think you could say that with Gretchen too. That just like Gretchen just wants a connection. She wants to feel important. Her parents clearly don't care about her very much. Yeah, her parents are never in the movie. No, and it's and just they said that it she's seem... rich, but they go straight to Regina's house. Yeah, and and Gretchen. She makes like allusions to her parents always being out of town and like never around, kind of like London Tipton. Yeah. Um. She gives me those kind of vibes, except Gretchen's very aware of it and it hurts her. And so, like, at the end of the day, she just wants Regina to be a friend, and she's yeah. not getting that. And so, like, when Re- when Gretchen betrays Regina with all these secrets, it's like that makes sense. Like, Gretchen has been betrayed as well. Those are funny moments when she's like, oh, shoot, I wasn't supposed to say that. Don't, you didn't hear it from me. But. (laughs) Gretchen is, I, over time, I've really grown to appreciate Gretchen as a character. I think um, the actress, Lacey Chabert, is really, really smart in the role. And even though the end's a little weird with, like, her finding, like, the cool Asians is like weird in its own way yeah we yeah well that's yeah that's the other thing was like the the sort of clicks of being like just an ethnicity and like you know sorting a whole group of people into a click just based on their their ethnicity is is weird yeah but it also proves that she's smart because she like learns a whole other language yeah and fits in with people like i liked like that part was heartwarming but the like the click is just yeah. weird. Do you yeah. want to talk? You you said you wrote down all the clicks. I could probably yeah. list a lot of them. All right. So yeah, you list as many as you can, and then I'll run through the through the okay. list that I wrote down. So we have your nerds, jocks. Oh, you have there are two Asian groups. There's the cool Asians, and then the nerd Asians are like the geek Asians. Um. There's your. There's the skater one that's like they call them like they're not called dope heads, but it's they're the ones or is there a separate high group? Burnouts is what you're thinking. Burnouts. Burnouts. Yep. The plastics, obviously. The Janice and Damien, which are called the best ones. (laughs) The the mathletes are separated from the nerds. All right. How about I I just go to the Sure. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't get very many there. You got freshmen. ROTC mm-hmm. guys, preps, JV jocks, Asian nerds, cool Asians, varsity jocks, unfriendly black hotties, girls who eat their feelings, girls who don't eat, desperate wannabes, burnouts, sexually active band geeks. <laughs> and then the two that sort of don't, that aren't part of that monologue are the plastics and Janice and Damien, who you could label as the gay. LGBTQ yeah. side of things. Yeah. Which is definitely the one that I identify with. It's like, yes, those are the people that I would want to be friends with. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. The ones that... that are actually nice and inclusive. It reminds me of um, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is, I don't know if that's a movie that we would cover. I've read the book. I've, yeah, I don't the know. Mo- about the the movie. movie is very sweet, but 
both this movie and that movie have that thing of like the main character is this kind of outsider outcast. And then they like just one day magically become friends with like these very kind and nice people mm-hmm. who are like just perfect for them. And they become lifelong friends. And it's like, gosh, I wish it were that easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I just wish that someone would just take me in and absorb me into their pre-existing Friend stuff. Friend. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing with Janice and Damien that I think there could be some overlap with the band people. Not going to lie. Yes. Um. <laughs> well, that's and that's the thing that all high school movies get wrong is that there's like there's always overlap. Like, yes, there are these things, but like no one is just one thing ever. Like, yeah. Stick to the status quo is like, yes, it's a sentiment, but like it's never actually been true. I think Katie breach like going through all these different clicks kind of like supports that theory in the long run. Yeah, it's 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 like high school musical in the sense that like you need that one person to come and just shake things up. Like people get set in their ways and it, like they get in their stride in high school and then you realize you just need some something or someone to remind you that like I don't have to be like this. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. like even though society and everyone tells me to conform and do this one thing, it's not how any one person is. People mm-hmm. are multifaceted. So most of the clicks are not really explored in the movie itself, which is probably a good thing because they definitely are. It's more like a punchline for like yeah. the, 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 the joke. Like it's just your little like setup punchlines to just have a like Asian nerds, cool Asians. Like, yes, that is a joke, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, as compared to, like, High School Musical, which has a much more tepid, like, click mm-hmm. ideal, which is, like, jocks and theater kids and... Brainiacs. N- Brainiacs. Skateboarders. And then, yes, it, and then, yeah, like, the skateboarders who only appear in the Stick to the Status Quo song aren't really fleshed out in the other yeah. aspects of the plot. Like, I like that this one takes a slightly more realistic tone... Even if it is jokey, as we've been saying, like there are these like very subtle differences between between types of people, right? Mm-hmm. Even JV jocks and varsity jocks, like I know exactly yes. what that means. Yeah, <laughs> having like going through the the athletic system, it's like I know exactly the difference between the JV and the and there varsity. and there is a and there is a reality to the idea that like people who are from racial minorities um, because of the way that society is structured, find comfort by being with other people who have had similar experiences. Mm -hmm. And thus you get the, why are all the black people sitting together phenomenon? Yeah. And so, yes, that is true that people like make these sort of smaller friend groups with people who are similar to them, but to like, have it be like so explicit in the movie is like, and this is a category of person is the Asians and this is the other category of person like yeah. that like just just to be clear someone's race does not <laughs> define their personality nope, not at all and it would have been interesting in this movie to have one of the mean girls be a woman of color to just show that like people of all colors can be mean <laughs> and now I think that is where the Broadway has diversified okay that's good um I think think Gretchen not 100% yeah. I have not seen Mean Girls the musical <laughs> not confirming it's an idea that's f- been floated 
our mom has seen it and she actually enjoyed it a lot. She was surprised. Um, I've heard similar things to like Legally Blonde where it's like surprisingly good. It's and, like, better than it has any right to be. And yeah. a couple of the songs are good. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know enough about the musical, but that that's I believe someone has been. Yeah. In general, it's one of those things that like in a real high school, there are actually 30 more groups of people because they set it up as like each of these each group sits at one lunch table. And it's like, OK, so there's 40 people that go to this school. Yeah. And then the idea that there's like another group of people that is like people with physical disabilities. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. The yeah. The girl in the wheelchair. Yeah. So, oh. I'm on the Mean Girls website, and both Gretchen and Karen look to be people of color, at least in these In these photos. promotional photos. Yeah. And so it, it rotates to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's like the equality. It's like, it's not just about casting people of color as heroes. It's casting people of all shapes and sizes, quote unquote, yeah. as all things because everybody can be anything. Yeah. I um I just saw six a couple weeks ago, the the Henry the Eighth Wives one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um that was one that it, it kind of felt in the spirit of Hamilton in a lot of ways that it was like it doesn't necessarily matter who the race blind casting. Yeah. But like not in a way that like Hamilton sometimes feels a little icky in that way. Hamilton is somewhat <laughs> intentional with their racial casting. Yes. So, like, for this one to genuinely feel... But then there were some songs that I was like, it does make more... Like, oh, did they intentionally write it with a certain body type? Image. Or, it, yeah. Yeah. In, In mind. mind. Yeah. Speaking of body types, there's a conversation to be had about the portrayal of the teenage girl body. Yeah, this which movie. feels very real. <laughs> In case you haven't heard, uh, teenage girls uh, suffer the most body dysmorphia, eating disorders. Um, outside of like LGBTQ plus experiences, I'm not even going with that. Just like teenage girls and eating has been a problem being for told, a very long time. Being told that your body is supposed to look a certain way and then feeling guilty that it isn't. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's honestly, it's one of the more poignant scenes in the movie where like oh my God. Katie is like just meeting these like supposedly awful mean girls for like the first or second time. And they're they like they just all go to the mirror and say negative things about themselves and wait for the other girls to say something positive or also say something negative so that they can all sort of suffer together. Yeah. And also like have a mini version of being supportive to each other. Yeah. In that moment. Like, it's recognizing kind of they all have with, flaws. It's kind of playing into that toxicity thing, like, but it's also, like, it's it's it, it's a good way for the movie to show early that, like, these girls, despite being, quote-unquote, mean, are also f flawed and being hurt by society. Like, they are mm -hmm. not the ones enacting the meanness 100% of the time. They're also being hurt by it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, that's a great scene. And not just that, but like the, you're really pretty. Thank you. So you think you're really pretty. Like there's a lot of that back and forth conversation of like, 
image and like their commentary on Halloween and costumes. There's a lot of like the they, talent they show. openly <laughs> acknowledge the double standard that exists and they yeah. don't know how to reckon it in their brains. And I think that's so real to the teenage experience. Yeah. And like eating disorders are both overtly and like explicitly and implicitly discussed in the movie with the the clicks that are labeled but also like Katie tricking Regina to ha- eat those carb bars thinking that she's going to be that losing was like a lot of weight. sort of confused subplot of like Regina's like thinks that butter is like the best thing to eat like but yes you're 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 very so, right like all these conflict but they're she's taking in information that she thinks she understands in the hope that it's going to benefit her socially when it's really the farthest thing from the truth two quick things before we talk about the talent show <laughs> yep if i can remember either of them <laughs> do you want to talk about janice and damien I know you keep alluding to them. Do you want to let's, just go Let's there? do the talent show first because I feel like it's on. It's on. It's a better transition. Okay. Because the talent show is really like the let's let these hot gals like just dance on stage all provocatively. Yeah. And in many ways, it is like a yeah. These are how these girls want to express themselves. Mm-hmm. And in other ways, it's like the parents are watching it, being like, "What is our daughter doing?" Yeah. Yeah, and Amy Poehler dancing in the aisle. Yeah. While she's filming is so good. It's so good. Yeah, it the talent show is interesting. Um so my direct connection with the talent show, I had my uh junior year English teacher right before the December break was like, we're not going to get anything done in these next couple of days, so let's just watch Mean Girls. And someone's like, but Mean Girls isn't necessarily like a December movie. He's like, but the talent show's in it, so we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. So um, it's just, it's, it's like interesting because thing. they're wearing these like very specific, like trimmed outfits. Mm-hmm. This is one of those movies that like is very much like the low cut jeans era. Yeah. Air Hostel <laughs> and Hollister is in but yeah they're wearing these like very cropped like santa's elves type no they're wearing the santa dresses oh, with the oh, trimming yeah, santa. and yeah, okay, they are, yeah they are santa they've got the santa hats on but it's the short dress with the tight cut top area and it's like the sleeveless yeah like completely inappropriate for illinois in december <laughs> first of all uh, yeah that was an interesting thing it was like it doesn't never feels like cold or snowy or windy yeah. in the movie ever it feels like it's like it should be in California, but they just mm. said it was in Illinois. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, that seems interesting because like it's hard to like they like the girls want to do it and they just do the same thing every year, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And they're last in the talent show. <laughs> so like either people are building up to it. I don't know. It's to a certain point, it's almost like Nicole Kidman at the MC is like. At this point, it's just hilarious that we all know what's going to happen. Let's just all enjoy the fact that they're doing this very silly thing. And honestly, just being honest about what people are like, they're not complaining about the fact that they're seeing these sort of scantily clad teenage girls do a sexy dance. Yeah. But it was interesting watching the scene because 
like a dance scene is cool to watch and do like having a formation. I couldn't take my eyes off of Lindsay Lohan doing the dance. Like she was the one I was watching dancing. And I wasn't sure if that was a, an effect of the movie or just like her stardom or if she was doing the dance better than everybody else. But I was like, I was watching her doing the dance and not everybody else. Yeah. I can't really comment on that because I didn't rewatch it. Like I said, <laughs> but um, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, I'm going to, I'm going to compare it to the high school musical audition scene. Oh yeah. Great. Like, we love this. We love it. Like, for Sharpay and Ryan to go last and that, it, it's the yeah. same kind of thing where it's like, oh, these people are socially important, so we'll put them at the end so people can celebrate them. Or even like, weird pull for me, but like Emmett Ot- well, not weird for me, but like weird for the show, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas with the talent show and having Riverbottom Nightmare yeah. Band go at the end. Yeah, you put your showstopper at the end for a reason, because you want it to stop the show. Yeah. So, and we don't, if if my recollection holds true, we don't really see much of the other performers of the talent show. No, you see Kevin doing his rap. Rap, that's it. Which is funny-ish, like. Yeah. Kevin's an interesting character in the movie that we really don't have time to delve into. Oh, yeah, I guess he is. Um, by all accounts, the other major character of color being a sort of South yeah. Asian, but he kind of falls into the stereotype of like an annoying South Asian character that the early 2000s Harold and Kumar era was just doing that. Yeah, but he also like wants to be black. Yes. <laughs> And, and like he has the thing about weird he, ways. Yeah. And in the, in the like appropriate in the appropriation way of like. And then he has got also the thing he says, I don't date women of color, but he means white women. Yeah. And he so he only wants to date other what my, minority women of color and not white women. But he's saying it like in a flipped way. Yeah. That makes sense because like he belongs to a certain group that is ostracized from the majority. Like. <laughs> The logic makes sense. It's a weird joke. Yep. Like, and like the whole character is weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I know that there are people out there who like seeing themselves portrayed on screen, no matter if it was positive or negative in yep. this era. It yep. was still important that those characters existed mm-hmm. for some people. But if they're like, there's a there's a version of it where the movie is more diverse and like people are allowed to exist outside of their racial stereotypes where having a character who's like on the mathletes but also wants to be a rapper is funny. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this movie nails it. Yeah. In the same way, like I'm going to talk about Janice here for a while. I thought Janice was coded as Latinx. Yeah. And, it's and then at the end, she's... she says she's Lebanese or something. Yeah. So, like, her, th- they code characters in ways that do not actually fit the actor, nor do they fit. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't say the movie intentionally wanted you to think that Janice was a woman like even a white passing minority like i think 
I don't know. My interpretation was that she was just a white girl who had a sort of goth appearance. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was my 10-year-old brain associating her with the Miranda character from Lizzie McGuire, too, which definitely could be the yeah. case. Or there's like a there's like a even like a Wednesday Adams thing where like the Adams family is sort of Latinx or mm-hmm. other ethnicity coded. It's ne- it's never really made explicit where they're from because that's like part of the Adams family humor. Yeah, is like oh they 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 have weird foreign money. Yeah, but yeah, there's this idea that like having a sort of emo or goth look is something that people often use to cover up or like conform to a certain look in a way that doesn't define you by your ethnicity. Yeah. Which can be liberating for some people. I think, I think I see where you're coming from, but yes, let's talk about Janice and Damien. So (laughs) Damien is played by Daniel Francesi, (laughs) who is the gay best friend, flamboyant um, sort of plus sized gay friend. And I, I will say, just I looked at his IMDb or his Wikipedia, and the actor did come out as LGBTQ in 2014. Okay. So if there is something there about, you know, feeling like, you know, that character was being portrayed by someone who knew what that experience was like, even if he wasn't out when he was in high school. Maybe there was something there that he felt he was connected to that character. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How do you, how, you've had more of a lifetime to be with this movie. I couldn't have even told you from my six year old brain that the character was gay in a, in a direction or the other. But what, what is your interpretation of Damien as a queer character? Yeah. So Damien's um, an interesting one because he is gay, but they never use the word gay. No, they they say he's too gay to function. Oh, that, yeah. But like... Almost too gay to function. Almost too gay to function. But like there's the... Suits. They don't use any slurs or anything. No. Damien, I mean, they do it in a way in this movie that is so different than Bring It On or who also has like a gay best friend that's not like a best friend, but like a gay guy that associates. I we're not going to talk about bring it on on here. I'm <laughs> I, I'm making that we're declaration. calling. It. We're I, calling. I, it. I I refuse to. Um, I have a lot of problems <laughs> with that movie. As much as I loved it as a kid, um, it did not age well. And um, yeah. There's an idea about recognizing that white people appropriate a lot of culture from black people, and that we should give the credit to the people who have kind of originated and really lived that their art. That is a positive aspect of that movie. Yeah. But almost everything else in the movie. Gabrielle Union and the Clovers are perfect. They are fantastic. Everything else, I'm good. Yeah. So we can shelve it. All right. So, So, yeah. So, Damien. I don't know the... I've not looked into this, so I, I can only speak from, like, memory and stuff. But, like, I don't necessarily know how... The gay community reacted to Damien and uh, Daniel's portrayal and his characterization overall. It feels very of that time period of what was being shown on TV because you have like Will and Grace. Although he has more character and likability and he's not played for a joke. 
the way yeah. like your friends or your I don't know. The fact that he's gay is not the joke of the character. The joke of the character is that he's a funny guy who's fun to be around. Yeah. Um, he, he's cool. Like I, like you said earlier, I would want to be his friend kind of thing. Like he seems like a nice person. Like he's got his funny quirks and the fact that he stays in for the assembly for the girls during the, like the big reckoning bit, like that's. But, amusing, but not necessarily but not necessarily because he like tries to effeminize himself. Yeah. I don't know. There's the thing about him going into the bathroom too. Yeah. Ugh. I think it's more it's more that he just like wants to be in on the drama. Yeah. At all times. Yeah, he and he also wants to support Janice. Yeah. Um which I think is very admirable. Like he is a great friend to Janice who has been through a lot especially with people that continue to keep being very challenging for her. And Janice is also queer coded, but has this weird thing with Kevin. Well, yeah. So the thing with Janice is that Regina used to be friends with her, but then Regina started to think that she was a lesbian and told everybody and that outcast Janice. And it seems like she's maybe trying to figure out her sexuality because if it was just outright not true, yeah, that that room like about that rumor, then it feels like she would have reacted differently. And so it feels like she's sort of processing it and, you know, maybe she's bisexual or has an identity outside of the lines of straight or gay Mm -hmm. in such a way that, like, the Kevin relationship doesn't have to be something that is not in her personality or doesn't, like, retroactively make her straight. Yeah, the more the thing with Kevin is that Kevin wears her down. And she says no so many times, and that's what's frustrating about the Kevin thing for me. Yeah. Or the idea that, like, yeah, at no point did Janice and Kevin seem like it was being set up or even possible. Yeah, until the end. But, like, (laughs) Janice and Damien going to prom in matching suits is the cutest thing. So great. And I love their suits, and I love the way Janice does her hair. It looks so good. Like, I feel like if this was made today with similar stereo, not not full stereotypes, but like similar classification, like, okay, let's fill this role. Janice would be a very cool, like non-binary punk character. Yeah. Well, it would would almost it could almost play out the exact same way that they just like wouldn't stick her with a boyfriend at the end of the movie. Or Instead of using she, her, using like she, they, or so, like where's yeah. a button that says like she, they, or just they, them pronouns? Like, oh, yeah. Speaking of which, I think Mark Waters is still kind of working in this genre. I think I saw that he directed the He's All That reboot, soft reboot of He's All That. I just, I was looking for this movie on Netflix the other day, and that movie came up, and I was like, what? And yeah, why? It's got- and it's, the, uh, the guy the, looks familiar, but I don't the, know from the what. The guy, he's he plays Johnny's son in Cobra Kai. That's okay. So Robbie. I've seen him in ads. He is okay. he is a he is a brutal actor. He does not bring any bring any grace to that show. He, he does not very have a very expressive face. I I get maybe he's got a handsome appeal, but <laughs> but he's I have no I've never Efron. never seen it. I've never seen it. He's not he's not doing it. So. Yeah, Janice and Damien, I mean, just like, 
so like so sweet as friends like that friendship is so and like janice working in the body like the body lotion shop and damien just like trying on like and she's got like an art show that she's doing like and i want to see that stuff and janice getting frustrated at katie is like yeah i'd be ticked like yeah that makes sense like janice and damien feel like they've grown up a little more maybe through exactly social trauma that they've had to grow up a little more than the rest of them that's everyone else feels like they are peaking in high school and janice and damien feel like they're going to like be very fit well fit in in college like yeah they're gonna be the best people for the rest of their lives like they're just gonna continue to climb and shine yeah yeah i i i mean i can't i can't speak for the queer community but i thought that damien felt like as close to a realistic portrayal of a gay character that 2004 could maybe allow, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that like, does. That like, 100% does. And, it, and it's, not, it's not just like the way he looks or the way he talks. Like it's not like a voice or something that he's doing. It's the way that he is supportive of his friends and the way that he makes, you know, slight self-deprecating jokes like, he feels like he's figured himself out in a way and that he exists on his own terms mm-hmm. in a way that really feels nice. He feels more real as a character and less of a per- walking like a stereotype. Perso- yeah, a walking stereotype personification of this idea than like the Queen Bee Regina does. Like, or Ditsy Karen. Like, like some of them are just their stereotype, but Damien feels like a person and like a person I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Damien can be my best friend and I'm here for it because honestly, we all need a cheerleader in our life like Damien. <laughs> Condra, have we is there anything else that we need to talk about with regard to this movie? Yeah, I um I I put a spoiler or I put a little pin in the minute in the beginning of the the episode here and um we haven't picked it up yet but the connection to high school musical oh yeah so other and then than- i think i think i want to talk about the like the assembly in the gym yeah oh absolutely and, I would love and to the, talk and about the conclusion with the, the the crown and stuff yeah so briefly yeah kind of speaks for wanna, go ahead let's do you want to do the assembly first no say the high school musical connection because i feel like that's just gonna get out of the way Okay, so um, in the casting for this, Tina Fey had people in mind when she was writing characters and such, but the plastics were actually a tricky cast, and as was Janice, but... A lot of them were pre-established, like, TV child actors. Yeah, so, like, Lindsay Lohan um, tried out for Regina... Amanda Seyfried tried for Regina. Um, Lindsay Lohan actually was like, no, I don't want Regina because I don't think that matches my reputation. Yeah, she definitely is like the everyday, like, relatable girl persona. And um, Amanda Seyfried, they're like, you know what? You're funny enough that you could be Karen. But Ashley Tisdale audition for Gretchen Wieners. Wow. That would have been interesting, though, because she would have actually been the age of her character. Yeah. 
this movie does come off as like 19 year olds playing teenagers. They don't look like they're too old for the it's parts. It's not grease bad. Yeah. But it's not perfect. Yeah, but in, in a way that it feels like a standard high school movie where it's like, okay, these people look normal. They look like they might be seniors in high school and not juniors in high school, but Or whatever. like freshmen in college and Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, so Ashley Tisdale is our tie here, and she had um, auditioned for Gretchen, obviously did not get it, but um, to think of her saying my father, inventor of the toaster strudel, it's just a funny thought. I mean, Ashley Tisdale is a good enough actor. She probably could have fit in in a part like this, but Mm -hmm. she also feels like she does a different brand of comedy than this is like yeah oh definitely she does she feels like she plays more on the like tv live in front of a studio audience type thing and this might not be up her alley yeah well i mean if we're thinking about it 2004 this is mid sweet life this is pre high school musical she is still very much a disney child actor yeah, but if Sweet Life was coming out, it was pretty early in its run. Yeah. And if it was 2004. Yeah, so we're, I mean, Ashley Tisdale had not even, like, this would have been early Ashley Tisdale, basically, yeah. is what I'm going She would have still been, like, actually 16. Yeah. Okay. But that that's my High School Musical connection, other than the clicks and stuff that we've talked about. So, um, The Assembly. Yeah. What I argue is one of my favorite and th- something that stands out the most from this movie that has the most heart in it, as good as the prom crown bit is, I do love the assembly for its reality. <laughs> so, all right, that's it. Everyone just sit in a room and sit with the fact that we all need to figure this out. Otherwise, nothing's going to get better. Yeah, there's, but just like... Sometimes you get to that point where, like, I work with teens now every day, and as much as I enjoy working with them, sometimes they get really frustrating, and I just want to lock them in a room and be like, okay, guys, sort it out. Talk about it. Figure (laughs) out what's going on in your brain, because, dear God, I cannot. (laughs) Yeah, so it starts with Tim Meadows walking around with his bat and then realizing, oh, the sort of aggressive, like, hey, I'm going to yell at you tack is not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he hands it over to Miss Norbury and the other teachers to be like, hey. And then I love how Miss Norbury actually kind of knows exactly what to say. Yeah. It's like, guys, I was you once. I know exactly where you're coming from. And I think that's the power of this movie all in all is like people do see reflections of their past experiences in it and why it has the kind of lasting power it's had. Yeah. I hope that. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and Anna Gasteyer like all actually had like these sorts of relationships with these younger actresses. Like I hope that they were actually able to like connect cross generationally about this sort of thing. Yeah. I also, um, I don't think I mentioned this, but Tina Fey like in taking a nonfiction book had to basically write this out of just her own personal experiences and those of the people around her. So like Tina Fey, like, in some ways, the assembly feels like a letter to her past self. Yeah. All the girls getting up and standing and say, admitting something and then doing a trust fall. Yeah. Like, in the world where, like, trust falls are a movie cliche. 
Yep. That, like this movie pulls it off. Like oh, a hundred percent. You're like oh, I get it, and you're like there's gonna be the one person who falls and hits the floor on the trust fall. Yep. And it's um Karen just falling on Gretchen, right? Or vice so, versa? No. So Gretchen is like. I'm sorry that everyone thinks I'm really pretty and wonderful. And then they let Karen fall and or Gretchen fall. And then Karen doesn't realize that she's just on the ground and Karen just falls on her. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's not like a cruel thing. Like, it's not like, Oh, we're going to pull a prank on someone. Like, no, it's like it, their backing up is a realness to like, yeah, Gretchen still hasn't quite like figured you, you it out yet. You didn't figure out the purpose of this activity yet. Yeah. So we're going to punish you for it. Yeah, I like the assembly. I think the little comments that they make feel like what teens would say to some respect, like the rainbows and sunshine and everyone would just be friends. Like, yeah, there's <laughs> that one person that does not understand what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> we missed the uh, raise your hand if you've ever felt personally victimized, victimized by, by Regina George. <laughs> so good. All the teachers raise their hands too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It almost feels like, as we've been saying, that the assembly in the gym feels like a more powerful moment than the breaking up the prom crown. But the prom crown, I think, still holds weight. It's a better way to end the movie. Like, you want to end, you have to end the movie at the prom and do the thing. Like, yes. Yeah. Structurally, that works. It subverts the prom thing. It also, like, Damien's gasp with the crown getting broken is probably the only bit of Damien's, like, character that annoys me in the whole movie because it's, like, that's a little extra. Oh, but the idea that he, like, actually really cares about, like, helping run the, like, student, like, prom committee, you're like, yeah, yeah, he would, like, actually care about that and just want to help make everyone's experience better. Yeah, but... I think the prom crown does hold some weight because, like, most teen, uh, th- this is where I dramatically differ from many teen experiences because I did not want to go to my prom. I was, um, I recognized it was a social trap <laughs> set up by the man, whoever that may be, <laughs> but prom being this thing that people idolize and that that peaking that we talked about earlier of the plastics katie's given a good moment to actually put like a thesis statement on the movie and something that feels in character but fulfilling and kind of very explicitly says to young people watching it like don't be afraid to break the norm like it's gonna be scary but it's okay. You're going to get through it kind of thing. <laughs> Soaring, flying. There's not a star in heaven that we can't reach. Exactly. Yeah, I guess I, I and I, I, I love that you said that. You, you made me realize, yeah, the movie by this time has made its point about supporting each other with the assembly and stuff. But the character of Katie hasn't gotten to put the thesis statement on at the end and like actually show that she has grown. Mm-hmm. And so that's what that moment does like the the script has played out but you just need the character to finish it like put the conclusion paragraph on and i'm glad that it didn't happen over narration Mm -hmm. like the like the closing narration where she goes over like the regina plays lacrosse and like all that stuff like that's that's good like denouement 
but like actually just putting the button on the movie with the climax of the prom that works. And honestly, just the moment of her, like giving the crown, not to just Regina and the other like people on stage, but like the other girls in the audience who are traditionally beautiful, but she's like, Hey, everyone here looks so beautiful tonight because we all feel beautiful. Like I love that. Like the, you look Lindsay Lohan's just read of the, you look really pretty. It's just so sweet. It's yeah. Really good read. And it does not have the, the subtle dig that Regina saying, uh, a mini skirt looks pretty earlier in the movie. Yeah. That girl had a, had a nice a vintage mini skirt that yeah. looked great. And she yeah. was insulting it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's another one. That's another line, Tyler. I also liked when they were doing the initial bit on Regina George and that someone said her favorite movie was Varsity Blues. Oh, oh is... my God. Yeah, that's like... That we didn't even talk about that in like the iconic section of like the I hear her hair is insured like insured for ten thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah, like that she punched me in the face once. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't that's yeah. Oh my god, yeah, another bit. It's funny when my teens in in my room put that in because I let I have a DVD player in the in our teen room in the library and I don't like within reason, but. Mean Girls is in the teen collection, so they'll occasionally put it on, and I'll be in there, and I'll know exactly what part they're watching, and it's just, it's so interesting how, like, the movie just has its moments that are just so iconic. No, I'm glad that you didn't watch the movie, because, like, it just makes it, makes this discussion more about the effects of the movie. Yeah. All right. I guess wrapping, wrapping things that I haven't gotten to say yet, I liked Gretchen's Julius Caesar monologue. Mm-hmm. I liked that it was just like, oh, the assign, and they had actually planted it a little bit earlier with the teachers. Like the assignment was just to rewrite a Shakespeare monologue in your own words. And I was like, yes, this is exactly what a teen would be doing. It's like the 10 things I hate about you poem. Mm -hmm. Like it's where it's just like explaining what the character's thinking, but in the context of a class assignment, like it's an easy, straightforward high school thing, but it's a, like, it's a great monologue for the movie. It's a good joke. Like it works. Mm Mm-hmm. My last Tim, Tim Meadows things is like his opening scene is when he's in the classroom and he's talking about his nephew and for Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He how he hates getting called Anthony almost as much as I hate that my sister named her son. Anthony. <laughs> yeah. We really didn't talk about Tina Fey at all. Yeah, well, it's, it, because it's so interesting that she doesn't have a lot of like comedic lines. She's just like, but she being is a sincere, so funny in it. That, yeah, like she's still so funny, even though she's so sincere and such a real down to earth character. And honestly, I would have loved a teacher like her, like someone who cares <laughs> but isn't like in your face and is like respectful that you're trying to sort things out, but also is like, I need this job. <laughs> I didn't like the running gag about how everyone calls Katie Caddy. Yeah. And I'm sure you don't either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Who would no, look at the C-A-D-Y. name C-A-D-Y and think that, think that it's Caddy? Like if there was two Ds, yeah. I would get it. Yep. But it's one. But it's one. And every, I know I learned about Elizabeth Katie Stanton. Yeah. It's Katie. <laughs> like, it's Katie. <laughs> we haven't talked really anything about like the visual style of the movie it mostly plays pretty straightforward the one interesting shot in the movie that i found 
is when Gretchen's kind of standing at the head of the hallway and we get a slow, like steady cam backing through the hallway, revealing everyone fighting. And she's just kind yeah. of standing there in triumph. That's a, yeah. that's a highly effective shot. Yeah. I was going to say the fight sequence in general, I think does some very creative things when Regina starts throwing the the pages of the burn book. I think there's some very like the, the use of slow motion. There's pretty fun and effective. But nothing else in the movie is crazy like... No. It's a teen movie in that Stylized, respect. yeah. Yeah. And then the the complete... The thing we haven't talked about this whole hour that we've been talking about this movie is just the complete non-existence of Aaron as a character. Yeah. Well, we talked about it for like a hot second. But yeah, Aaron... I mean, it's not Aaron's story. Aaron is a piece of a social puzzle. But like in the idea that like, why is Katie so in love with him... If because he's the he's the pretty senior boy that is paying her the, yeah. an iota come of attention when Katie has never been in a public school before. Like Wh- I can a hundred percent understand where this is coming from as why she's I, attracted to him because I work with homeschooled students a lot. I get I get I get why she is attracted to him. I I don't get why the movie concludes with her like still dating him. Yeah, I, I don't know that either. That, that There's no inkling of like, I realize that you are you're like you are a cute guy and I like you, but I'm gonna keep living my life and not be beholden to a man. Would have been a better ending. To I the agree movie. with you there, but at some point it does have to follow some Hollywood standards. Yeah, or even if Katie decided to go out with Kevin instead of Janice, I, I don't know. Like that would have been weird too. But yeah, Katie dating like, anyone at the end of the movie is a little weird. But it's Hollywood, and our two white, attractive people need to end up together. Yeah. In 2004. Any other, like, comparisons to other high school movies that you want to make? I mean, I think in a Grease sense of it, there's that behind-the-back Mean Girl stuff that ends up turning into understanding, I think, there's some stuff that can be taken from Greece. And yeah, that's movie... one of the interesting things in Greece is like, there's that like, there's that like bookworm character. Who's like also the wait, no, there's like the popular girl. Who's like the cheerleader. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that dates the quarterback. Yeah. And the, the pink ladies aren't popular. They're, they're just they like, they are, but in like a bad girl way. Yeah. And like part of the thing of that movie and that play is like, the girls realizing that like, yeah, the, the popular girl who dates the quarterback is also just like one of us. Yeah. Like she's a little preppy and not as sexually liberated as us, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. That like, that's part of Greece too. It, th- that doesn't make it to like the cultural phenomenon aspect of it, but it, it's there. Mm-hmm. Like in, when they're singing, when they're singing summer nights, like Olivia Newton, John is talking to the popular girl. <laughs> Yeah, not, yeah. Not to the big ladies. Like. No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And Rizzo, yeah, and Rizzo interjects and is like, tell me more. <laughs> like, Rizzo wants the hot goss, too. <laughs> we were talking about Clueless briefly Clueless. before. Yeah, before we went in, it's like, not a great example of, like, a teen experience in the same way this movie is, but it also does speak to a certain type of clueless i think feels emblematic of the 90s but doesn't necessarily feel like a realistic 
depiction of what it was like to be a teenager mm-hmm. other than they talk like it's the 90s. They dress like it's the 90s. Yeah. I'm thinking of other teen movies that exist around the time period and like she's all that. And there's some of like you can see reflections of she's all that in this movie. Same with 10 Things I Hate About You. But Mean Girls is like, yeah, there's all this stereotyping. But like, let's actually talk about it like it's real. And I think that's where Mean Girls stands out. Mean Girls is so interesting because all those other like teen movies. Even if you want to go back to like Breakfast Club and that like the 80s teen movies. They feel like they are for like older teens. Mm-hmm. And they're like they're they might have like a little bit more of the raunchy comedy or the adult comedy. Mean Girls does feel like it's actually for 12 to 16 year olds in a way. Yeah. Like, yes, they are. I guess it's PG-13, right? It is PG-13. Yeah. I think like eighth grade is perfect for this movie. And eighth grade is also a good time to watch 10 Things I Hate About You and choose all that, too. But yeah, I guess you're like, yeah, the, the realistic thing, like those other movies feel like good Hollywood teen movies. And this movie feels like a good movie that's actually for teens. Mm-hmm. Like they're not trying like it's not a demographic. It's not a quadrant. It's who the audience is. It's who this is for. Yeah. <laughs> like there's heart behind it. I think the fact that my teens today are still picking up Mean Girls and putting it in the DVD player and they're not picking up Clueless or not that <laughs> they I have their silly old phones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's not like I have She's All That in my collection, but they're not picking up Grease for that matter. Like they're picking up Mean Girls because it speaks to them. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Have any other notes? I had no notes, so this is all just from my brain and my adoration of this movie. Um, I have loved this movie for a very long time. I had to secretly not like it for a while because I was um, Too emo. Cool. I was emo. Yeah. Even though that's what the movie's literally about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, just because I understood the assignment doesn't mean I followed it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this movie's about. Yeah. So, well, and I, I have the same thing because, like, I was a teenage boy. I had no reason to watch Mean Girls mm-hmm. because it wasn't for me. And now it's like, no, everything's for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> like, just just be inclusive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that you I, mentioned Turning Red, too, because I feel like Turning Red had a very similar response to mean that mean girls had back in the day where it was like oh this is for one demographic and it's not actually for everyone but then when you like watch it you're like oh no this is a really good movie that actually speaks to a very (laughs) real experience and is like awesome so still has the weird thing where people of color get turned into animals in an animated movie you know but that yes it's complicated because it does like it feel like it was written by the the people from the culture that it, they were trying to represent like mm-hmm. so it's all it's all complicated and confusing and icky yeah. uh huh. <laughs> yeah but and anyway I, I think also in our comparison of all these past ones we've had other like newer teen movies um duff comes to mind yeah even like ladybird ladybird booksmart those movies i haven't did seen not- booksmart I haven't seen it either, but it feels in the vibe of, but like those movies are not for teens in the same way this is. Yeah. Lady Bird is definitely a movie that is for 
women in their 30s to remember when they were in high school in 2002. Like, and it is the all-time best ver- possible version of that movie. It is an amazing movie. <laughs> and definitely people of all genders and appearances can appreciate Lady Bird for what it is. But yeah, it's not necessarily for teens, you're right. I think movies like Booksmart and... I think Booksmart the, was rated R, though. Yeah, but even even so, like, it's still for... Like, now things that are rated R are still for teenagers. Yeah, but it doesn't... It was not promoted for teenagers. It was promoted for college students. Yeah. I just... I and, can't think of a movie <sighs> since it's that a really lot of, a, a lot of these are Netflix movies now. Movies yeah. like... The Kissing Booth, or... Based on a book. To All the Boys Have Loved Before, also a book. But that's a TV show, I guess. Riverdale. Uh, Tall Girl. (laughs) What? Are you not familiar with Tall Girl? No. It's a movie about a tall girl. No way. I haven't actually seen it, but it it relates interestingly to this movie because it also has, like, the prom queen thing that happens at the end. Mm. But it's, like... From what I understand, it doesn't pay it off in nearly as satisfying a way. It's just like, this is a high school movie, so there's a prom queen thing. Yeah. One that um, feel the, that prom thing, Carrie, which has <laughs> had a newer version. But there was also a new book that was released recently. That was that a is, Chloe Grace Moretz reboot? Yeah. 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 Heathers is having a, a moment again as a musical. Yeah. Oh, like We also have EZA and- EZA. Edge of Seventeen. I don't know what that one is, but ECA I do. But ECA is not being watched anymore, really. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, Edge of Seventeen was Haley Steinfeld. Okay. Came out in 2016. Okay. Uh, also on your Lady Bird book smart side of things, where it was like, it was a, more, it was a slightly more prestigious one, but I think definitely relatable. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the other one that... I find myself thinking about is Perks of Being a Wallflower. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that movie did not do as well as they wanted it to, where the book, I think, is still has staying power that the movie just didn't have. I think the people who have seen the movie connect with it highly. Mm-hmm. But it just, for some reason, did not spread as much as they wanted. It, did not, it does not have the proliferation yeah. that you would think it would. But people who have seen it really like it. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, high school musicals. <laughs> indeed. Yeah. You're DCOMs, but not really, because those are for younger people. Yeah. And then there's also other movies like Love Simon and The Hate You Give, who mm, are, mm-hmm. um, which I are like, the hate you give. yeah. Which are more like, you know, not playing to the, the four quadrant. They're like, hey, this is a movie about, this type of person in high school, which is good that we have those now. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking, though, in like our listing of things? I feel like books, because I'm like, oh, that's a book. Oh, that's a book. I feel like books are more hitting this kind of stuff better now than the movies are. And it's like it's either a TV show or it's a mo- or it's a book. Movies have this flaw and it's it's in the Harry Potter movies. It's in the Purse of Being a Wallflower. It's in. This movie, it's like, how do you make a narrative out of an entire school year that feels right? Like, 
Mm-hmm. There's the fall, and then there's like a Christmas thing, and then oops, it's June already. Like yeah, <laughs> like uh, that's Juno, not a movie. Yeah, Juno d- plays with that in its own ways as well. Yeah, movies like Juno and Rushmore, where you're like, it starts in the fall and then it ends in like January, and that's just it. Like yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we talked about movies. Yeah. We th- but we, Condra, we, we don't talk about Juno. No. I'm no. sorry. We don't. <laughs> uh, that, that'll have to be a that'll have to yeah. be a, a new running gag for us is that we don't we talk, don't about, talk Juno. about Juno. <laughs> and it's really only funny for us because that meme is pretty dead. No, I feel like the deadness of we don't talk about Bruno is not relevant. Like it's a funny joke. Okay. It's hilarious. I'm I'm planting this flag in the ground. It's funny. Anyway, let's uh, sign off. Write, write to us on email. Send us an email if you agree with Tyler or me. Uh, send us an email to amateurnerdspresent at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know if, even if you don't think it's funny this time, like the third or fourth time that it comes back in the future, that's when it's going to be funny. That's the point of a running gag. You can okay. find us on Twitter if that still exists. <laughs> yeah. At Amateur Nerds. <laughs> We're going to have to figure out what to do with that. We don't even uh. talk about that on mic. <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks to our artist, Theo Golden, at T Golden Art on Instagram. And our musician, Joe Winslow, whom you can find at joewinslowmusic.com. I have been Condra. And I have been Tyler. And we'll see you next time to figure out if Fetch ever happened. You can bet on it.